You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number four, where we talk with Chris Nolan of Mystery Ranch Packs. Yo, how's everyone doing? Hope everyone's having a great day so far. Today we have a really cool episode. We're talking with Chris Nolan of Mystery Ranch. And this was an interesting episode from a couple standpoints. Uh, one of the cool things is, is Chris and I actually go way back. We grew up in the same town, went to high school together. So it was really just fun to be able to talk with him and and connect and, and, and catch up, so to speak, in that regard. But, you know, on the other hand, we're also talking Western hunting and we're really diving into you know, mystery ranch itself and, and talking about their packs and what, what makes them different and all the different features, um, you know, that really cater towards the Western hunter, you know, all this information is very useful to both myself and, you know, somebody looking to go on a hunt for that first time, you don't know what you need. You don't know, um, you know, what pack may be the right fit for you. So Chris really dives into a lot of those details, and, and again, it was, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun, very good learning experience for myself. So I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's welcome Chris Nolan of Mystery Ranch Packs. All right. Welcome to the show. We have Chris Nolan from Mystery Ranch. Chris, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Adam. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I I appreciate you coming on. How's uh, how's everything up in Bozeman, man? I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, man. Things are <clears throat> things are great. Um, we just got a yeah. We're kind of in the towards the tail end of hunting season up here. Um, it's starting to get cold. We just got a ton of snow today. Actually, we just got like six inches of snow. Um, but yeah, things are great, man. Just love living in montana love all the mountains the rivers everything that it has to offer it's just basically living a dream that's how it feels yeah yeah that's where you want to be and what's what's cool a little little background um you know for everyone listening right now chris and i actually went to high school together you were i think you were a senior right you were a senior i was a freshman and we were on the golf team together and uh you know chris Chris has always been a good friend of mine. He's, you know, big into outdoors. And I knew you had lived in Montana and I, I wasn't quite sure where you were working. And, and funny thing is last year at the ATA show, it was a, it was like the second day of the show. It was like an hour before the show wrapped up and I'm standing in the booth at quiet cat. And I, I look over and I see Chris there and I'm like, Chris, what the hell, man? I didn't know you were, I didn't know you were here and, and you were working for, um, you know, come to find out you're working for mystery ranch now. So it was, it was really cool to connect back up with you and and see you there after such a long time of, 
you know, not being, um, you know, not a whole lot of communication other than Facebook. So I'm just excited to have you on here, man. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man, you're welcome. It was, uh, it caught me off guard too. I mean, I knew that I had figured out that you had moved to Colorado, but I had no idea who you were working with. Um, and was just, you know, enjoying the, the random, you know, connection through social media and could tell that you were getting into hunting and, uh, you know, chasing elk and then you shot that bull and I was just like, heck yeah, man, like Adam's in it, you know, he's, he's in the big game, you know, archery world out West now. And so, yeah, man, it was, it was cool. It caught me off guard too. And, uh, really awesome to connect and yeah, looking forward to, uh, chatting some more. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I really appreciate it. Like I said, um, when, when did you move out from, from Michigan? Was that like after college or, uh, when was that time frame? Yeah, so I I left Michigan in uh well the year I I graduated college uh, in 2009. And a couple weeks after graduation, I jumped in my truck with a buddy from high school, uh, Nate Wilson actually, and we drove to Alaska. And we were going to uh it, we were just going up there for the guide season. Him and I both had been guiding fishing trips out of the same lodge in Alaska. And, uh, on the way out there, we, we stopped and hit a few spots. We wanted to check out, um, Idaho specifically, um, some, some spots in Montana and, um, on the way through, man, just absolutely fell in love with that Northeast corner of Idaho, mainly for the fishing and met some really cool people while we were there. Um, I went back home, worked through the winter in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and, basically packed up my bags uh that fall or that that next fall and moved to idaho so i moved to idaho in 2010 um spent a couple years in idaho at that point i was basically just trout bumming it i was fishing a ton nice doing some part-time work doing some part-time work for uh the henry Ford foundation i was guiding in alaska and that's when I started chasing elk. It was actually for the first time I, I had elk for the first time in Idaho. Um, and then the next year, I uh, started my conversations with a company in Bozeman and ended up, ended up in Bozeman in 2011. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's cool. So you, I, I didn't know you went out there with Nate. Nate's a, Nate's a good friend of mine. I actually saw him a couple months ago this summer when I went back for a wedding in Michigan. So it's good to catch up with him. And, you know, I know he's a big hunter, um, but that's cool. I, I had no idea that you guys just, I mean, I knew you were a fishing guide and, and you were big, really big into that, but I had no idea that you guys just kind of jumped in the truck and, and went for it and, and kind of put it all out there and, and, you know, things kind of evolved and, and now you're in the West. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, man, we, we spent two months driving out <laughs> and then three and a half months guiding and then we spent another two months driving home and we went down to like Western British Columbia, um, all along the coast of California, uh, or excuse me, Oregon, California, and then cut across the desert, Nevada, um, over to Utah to see my buddy, um, well, the Furtons, um, and his older brother, Jeff at the time actually was living there. Yeah. And 
from there we were going to go to Colorado and do, we were going to hike down into, um, the black Canyon of the Gunnison. That was like a bucket list spot. I wanted to go. And I can remember the day, like we're sitting there at Jeff's house in Utah. And I'm like, I've got to go back North. Like I have to go back into Idaho and Montana and check it out again, because I loved it so much on the way out. So I totally canceled the Colorado leg of the trip and went back up to Idaho a second time just to kind of like revisit the places that I fell in love with. And it was a pretty wild trip, man. We, we stayed in, I think we stayed in a hotel two nights that whole entire time we were on the road and we slept in a tent every other night. (laughs) Man, that's awesome. That sounds like a dream trip. I need to, uh, I need to do that at some point in my life when I, uh, when I find the time here, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was good, man. So, so you end up in Northern Idaho and then you start working for a company in Bozeman, correct? Was that, that was in the fishing world, correct? Yep. Um, yeah, I, I got a job with Sims fishing products, which was, you know, just a dream company for me to work with. It was a, you know, a company I'd been chasing since college, basically, um, so I actually moved to Bozeman on October 1st, which anybody from Michigan knows that's a pretty special day. Um, moved there on opening day of Bozeman in Michigan, October 1st, 2011, um, and started working for Sims Fishing Products at that time. Nice, nice. And and then now you're currently with Mystery Ranch, which is pretty much what we want to talk talk about and 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 dive into and and hear that whole story and learn about the products i'm real interested in that but uh before we before we get started with that i'd like to hear um i know you're i know you're big into hunting and uh how'd the how'd the elk season go this year so far in montana um this year's been tough man um yeah we i didn't get a lot of time to scout this summer um, I actually really don't do a ton of scouting. It's kind of my downfall. Uh, it's just hard when you love fly fishing so much and elk hunting, like balancing the two is tricky, but, um, hunting the same area for some years now, I've got it pretty well dialed in. And so we went into a hot and heavy this season. Um, the weather was hot. I think I can't remember what it was opening, actually opening weekend of, archery elk archery this year um i was fishing the teton in swim trunks wet wading because it was so warm i didn't even hunt opening weekend because of how warm it was i think we were still in the 90s we um, we were the same way we, we ended up it was i think it was yeah 89 degrees on opening day our season opened august 26th um uh, this year so um you know a few days earlier than last year but man it was scorching hot in colorado yeah, it was too hot, man. And and for me, the area that I hunt, it's it's an ethical decision. You know, I play the weather a little bit. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't do me a lot of good to be, you know, five miles in from my truck when it's ninety degrees out and I've got thirty six hours of pack out ahead of me. Um, I just worry about the meat more than anything. Um, yeah. so I didn't hunt opening weekend. The second weekend, uh, I went in and hunted, uh, just stayed really high. Like I got up above, I mean, high in, in Montana is not 
the same high you guys have in Colorado, but you know, we were, I was up, you know, 8,600 feet to 9,200 feet, basically the entire weekend. And just staying high on these ridges and glassing down into the good spots where I know the elk travel, I know where they bed, I know where they feed, I know where their water is. Um, and it was still really warm that weekend. It was warm and windy. And I heard, I, I don't know, I probably heard five or six different bulls bugle, but it was really just that locator bugle sound. They weren't, they weren't fired up by any means. It was more, I think that time of year, those bachelor groups are really starting to break up and they're just kind of like checking in on each other and seeing where they're at. Um, so yeah, uh, actually made a move on a bull that second weekend last light and dropped in off, off the high ridge down into some, this area that I know that they bed in, in the evenings. And I got in close to him never actually saw him and had him talking up until right about, I mean, it was last light. I couldn't see anymore and ended up bailing to get out of there. Um, and wasn't even too concerned about it because I had, I had the third week of September off work. I had, I had all five days off and I was planning on going in with a friend of mine from friend of mine from work. And that was like the magic week. That's when we were supposed to, uh, you know, do the full backpack in with camp and get set up and hunt for a week. And, and the weather just turned for the absolute worst. Like it went from, we went from that 90 degree early September to 20 inches of snow and 20 degree temps literally overnight. Wow. So yeah, me going in that third week, um, just the weather was awful. I mean, the, I, the, the, the first three days of that hunt, we were supposed, it was, uh, gosh, it was supposed to be like a high of, 39 or 31 degrees, 32 degrees and lows down into the twenties. And they had anywhere from 10 to 20 inches of snow, depending on, um, the area that you were hunting. So I ended up pulling the plug on that third week and pushed my time off to the following week, uh, when the weather was supposed to break. Um, so I didn't hunt peak rut basically. Um, went in the, as soon as the storm broke, I basically went back into my spot, set up camp, hunted a few days and there were some buddies and we got on elk. Um, but by that time the elk were acting so goofy. I don't know if it was the weather that had the elk, um, down, but they weren't super talkative. Um, you could get on a bull and get them fired up. But if you got, you know, if, if if the closer you could get to him, um, it was like they were call shy or maybe they'd been hunted, but the elk were just shutting down. Like I couldn't close the gap. I couldn't even get one in, in sight without him shutting down. And we had, we still at that time had six inches of snow on the ground and it was getting cold enough at night and warm enough during the day that everything was melting and then freezing. Mm. So it was like walking on glass. And so, like, talk about, I mean, the most challenging four-day hunt I ever had. It was, like, you couldn't stalk them because the snow was so loud and crunchy. You couldn't get in close on them. And they were really kind of unresponsive to calling. So, I honestly, this year, man, I got my butt kicked. No question about it. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely not easy. And, um, you know, you're going to have those years. Thankfully, in Colorado, 
we had pretty good weather. It was cold, you know, pretty much from second week on of September and, and it was pretty good. I, and, uh, unfortunately I didn't get anything either, but that's, that's how it goes. And that's not what it's all about. It's, it's great to get out there and do it every year and, and just take the time off and, and disconnect a little bit. Um, but it sounds like you had a, you know, you were able to get out there and, and still, still do what you love to do. Right. Oh, absolutely, man. And there's nothing, you know, just, I mean, you said it best, like being able to disconnect in the month of September is what I think us as hunters dream about. It's not even about harvesting an animal. It's the backpacking trip. It's the buddy you share it with. It's the entire experience all wrapped up into one moment. You know, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I know you shot the a really, a really sweet bull last year and, and you actually got that on video. I remember watching the video on that thing. It was just an amazing hunt and probably don't really have a lot of time to dive into that. And we'll definitely have you back on the show at some point, Chris, to kind of talk some strategy, but where can people find that video? I know it was like one of your buddies that shot it. Does he have a YouTube channel or something? Yeah, it's my buddy, Bob Polanik, um, out of Northern Michigan. And it, the name of his company is called hybrid outdoors and you can find it on YouTube. Yeah. Or you can find it on his Facebook page or Instagram account. I think there's even a link in there somewhere with it too. So Yeah, yeah. For for everyone listening, definitely go check out that video, Hybrid Outdoors, and and watch Chris's elk hunt from last year because it is really, really cool. Um big bullet close range and um Chris pulled off a sweet shot and it's a great DIY public land Montana elk hunt. So definitely go check that out. So um uh, let's let's dive into what we kind of what i've been looking forward to here um you know going back to the ata show when when i met up with you you know we met up at quiet cat booth and then i i've been wanting to check out mystery ranch for a while and you took me down to the booth and you know we're showing me all the different packs and gear um related to hunting but um and it, and it just really opened my eyes of, to what you guys have going on there. But before we even further get into that, what tell us a little bit about Mystery Ranch, um, you know, where it started, what kind of industries you guys are in, and, and just give us the whole overview of the company itself. Sure. So Mystery Ranch was founded in 2000 um, by Dana Gleason. He, he's our president of the company. And... Dana has been building backpacks for years and years and years previous to starting Mystery Ranch. He he actually was the owner of Dana Designs back in the nineties. Um, and if you if you were a backpacker or a rock climber or an alpinist in the nineties, you knew of Dana Designs. He was the first. He was really the you know, the innovator of a load carriage designed backpack that could carry a lot of weight and still be comfortable. Um, so that's where it started. So there's years and years and years of innovation behind Mystery Ranch. Um, and then Mystery Ranch kicked off in 2000. Um, again, obviously started by Dana. Um, but really the roots of it, um, shortly after his start, um, ended up in the military. So in 2004, the military actually approached Dana um, about, uh, you know, building some backpacks for the military. And 
that that really would you know kind of mold the direction of the company up until even today like our roots we still say you know come from from military and and load carriage backpacks and, and really the staple product for mystery ranch was the knife frame um and anybody who's been who knows about mystery ranch backpacks or has you know used them in the past like you're you should be aware of the nice frame and, and what it was and it's basically this bomb proof external frame system designed to carry a ton of weight um and still be comfortable yeah yeah um yeah and it, it's just exciting you know because there's so many years of innovation behind it and then you know the, the main focus of mr ranch has never been you know lightest fastest weight possible it was always about um you know, okay, so so if the pack weighs a little bit more than your other pack you're wearing, but when you put an out quarter in it, what's going to feel better at the end of the day? And that was always Dana's, you know, motive. That, that was what his packs were designed around. And that technology and that, and, you know, and that, that mindset just kind of led into all these other product lines. Um, now we're making backpacks for, uh, we make wildland fire packs. Uh, for hotshot crews all over the United States, just starting to dabble in Canada. We make mountain backpacks, so backpacking, climbing, um, trail hiking, you name it, um, hunting packs, and everyday carry packs like briefcases and laptop carry and all sorts of just standard little everyday carry stuff. And we're all over North America now, so we've got retailers all over the United States and um, quite a few in Canada now. And we have a huge, huge international market over in Asia. Um, Japan, China um, are probably two of our larger markets, but Singapore, Australia, Taiwan, like, and military distribution and all overseas as well. And we're still doing U.S. manufacturing, so U.S. production as well as production overseas in the Philippines and Vietnam. And um, I mean, today, Mr. Ranch is a worldwide brand with five incredible product lines. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what really intrigued me about Mr. Ranch is that you know knowing that you come from a military, you know, fire and rescue, you know, playing in that whole realm, the quality has to be good and it has to hold up. Uh, to meet the demands of, you know, what those people go through in order to perform on their job. So in my mind, I was like, well, if they're doing it for military and fire and EMS and search and rescue, I mean, no doubt that for a hunting uh, standpoint, it's it's going to be a bomber pack. Absolutely, man. That's, you know, our <clears throat> part of our mission has always been, you know, built for the mission and um, that's what we focused on quality. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I've always been curious too. What, what does the logo, so describe the logo to us and what's, I've always wondered what the, uh, kind of meaning behind the logo is. <laughs> you know, uh, oh gosh, there's multiple stories behind it. Um, <laughs> and I'm not even comfortably publicly saying all the versions that I've heard, not that they're bad, <laughs> just because I don't know if I fully even know the true story behind it, Adam. Got it. Got it. Um, there's, there's some interesting talk of an old radio station in Boston. Um, there's the idea behind the question mark look. 
there's a few things floating around that uh, publicly I don't even feel that I could <laughs> say it and know for sure to write. So it's kind of, kind of a weird subject, actually. <laughs> it's a mystery, right? You got to leave it as a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. All right, cool. Um, so what, what do you do for the company? Right now I'm managing the customer service team. Uh, which is super diverse. It's um, so the team that I manage oversees all of our distributors, international distributors for military and our mountain line, um, our dealer service team, which oversees all of our retailers in North America. Um, we have a dedicated individual that's doing all of our direct and pro purchase sales. And we have a dedicated person that's doing all of our wildland firefighting sales in North America as well. Got it. Got it. So you're, you're working with a team. Um, you know, what's your, what's your day to day work like? Uh, are you more managing people or kind of imagine managing, you know, the accounts with different, you know, suppliers and, and customers? Um, what's, what's that realm kind of like for you on a day to day basis? For me, it's more managing the team. Um, you know, like my team is really dialed with working with our accounts, our retailers, our wholesalers, our distributors, et cetera. And I feel that my role is more or less just to support them. So I'm doing a lot of, you know, bigger picture uh, uh, projects and just trying to make their lives easier on a day-to-day basis. Got it. Got it. Well, that's cool, man. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure you get to, um, I know it is for me being able to work in, you know, the quote unquote industry. It's, it's really a dream come true and um you know be, to be able to do that and and work in an environment and a company uh that's more of a passion it it really helps you thrive and 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 it's just you just do better in an environment like that on on all aspects so um, that's cool to see you doing the same thing and and really going after what your passion is yeah man i feel the same way it's uh, a job is always a job. Don't get me wrong, and and things get challenging. But working for two awesome outdoor brands in the last you know seven years in Bozeman, Montana, works works been pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's that's great to hear. Well, cool. Well, let's let's dive into the packs because I I myself I'm just new, obviously, to in the scheme of things. I'm pretty new to Western hunting. I really only have, uh, well, now two seasons under my belt, but um, I know the pack that I'm running, I I have a Sika uh, Bivy 45 pack, and, you know, I really like it, but at the end of the day, what really draws me towards a pack like um, Mystery Ranch is kind of what you touched on earlier, an external frame, um, something that can haul heavier loads, and although I love the Sika pack, um, it's just not meant for doing, you know, loading up with a, a elk quarter or, you know, stacking it full of meat and walking five miles out of the backcountry. It's just not really set up for that. Um, so can you kind of touch base on, you know, what are some of the features in your packs, um, you know, around the hunting space? What, what kind of separates you guys from, from other companies? I know you touched on uh, quality and, you know, carrying heavy loads, but give us kind of that rundown again, overview of all of your packs and, and why they're different. Sure. I mean, you said it there. Quality is really, really important to us. Um, our so standards are 
um, you know, something that we really pride ourselves on. Uh, the materials that we use, we've been working with Cordura Fabrics for a really long time. And Cordura Fabrics are awesome. They're super heavy, um, you know, are very durable fabrics that um, we have. Uh, uh, we use uh, a DWR finish on the outside of it, and uh, which is a durable water repellent, and then a polyurethane finish on the inside. So basically really heavy fabrics that are we can't legally say they're waterproof because we don't seam tape anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're still just, you know, awesome fabrics designed to be, um, you know, beat up, destroyed, and still going to withhold uh, tons of different weather conditions. Um, and really when it comes down to, I think, what separates Mystery Ranch outside of quality, um, the fabrics that we use is the overload system which seems to be uh, most people's interest when you start talking about Western-style hunting. And it's the ability to detach your pack from the frame while still leaving your pack completely loaded full of your gear and being able to carry meat out without having to empty out your pack or load meat inside of your pack, right? Yep, yep. Um, yep. And then on top of that, so the... You know, our harnessing is, is a really big um, uh, part of our, our brand story as well. Um, the Futura yoke system that Dana designed and patented years and years ago, it's basically an adjustable yoke. And for those of you that don't know what a yoke is, it's basically the shoulder strap system and the back panel um, that you obviously is, is your harnessing for your body. That's fully adjustable. So... Um, the frame remains straight and flat on your back while the harnessing is contoured to your body and adjustable. So, uh, we sell our packs and, you know, the standard small, medium, large XL, but the adjustability within those packs to fit your body type specifically, you can get it fit, you know, down to a T. So comfort's a huge, um, part of our brand story as well. Um, combining all those together, you know, with, with, harnessing that you can custom fit to your body, um, an external frame system that's designed to with, with, you know, hold, you know, massive amounts of weight, um, a waist belt that's going to allow it to remain comfortable on your back. Even if you're carrying out a hundred plus pounds, whether you got camp on your back and an elk quarter combined with, you know, incredible sew standards and, and really durable fabrics. It's just the ultimate Western style hunting pack, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and when you had me over to the booth, um, you know, I was trying on different packs and and one thing that that I do remember and 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 recall very vividly is that overloading system. Can you can you explain kind of in detail how that works, how the pack separates and, you know, what its advantages are and and that whole scheme of things? Sure, it's, it's not the easiest concept to explain. I'll try to make it simple. Like over, the, it's, it's a lot easier to see it or watch a video, but basically you have um, your pack that is attached to the frame. Um, there's a frame or there's a, a frame capture at the top of the bag where basically the fabric um, fits over the, the lift kit. Okay, and your bag will secure to the top of the frame and then it is secured the rest of the way through side compression buckles down each side of it. 
and typically over the top of it that attaches to the top of the frame. And the way it's designed is when you have everything, you know, if you don't have anything in your overload system, your bag is sitting flush to the frame, and you can load it up with as much gear as you want. If you're, you know, carrying anywhere from, you know, day hunts all the way up to 10-day expedition hunts, we have a bag that would fit your needs. Um, each one of those bags fits on the same frame. So the harnessing in the frame is the same through all of our guide light systems, just the bags are different. And you're out there, you're hunting, you knock an animal down, you go through the whole process, skin it, coat it, debone it, get it in bags, and now you're ready to carry it out. You can, un, you can basically detach the pack from the frame and open it up. So it would open up completely, like if you had it laying down on the ground, your frame's laying one way, your bag's laying the opposite way, but it's still connected by a meat shelf, which is basically just a piece of fabric that connects at the bottom of the frame to the pack. And that keeps, when you throw a hindquarter or whatever in, it keeps it from dropping out the bottom. So you got your pack and your bag laid out opposite of each other. Um, you're going to put all the meat that you want to carry onto the frame and you essentially taco your bag back over the top of all that meat and you reattach your bag with your side compression and your top compression to secure it over the, over the meat. And at that point you're good to go. I mean, you, you, your pack that you walked in with, whether you got, you know, 20 pounds of day hunting gear with you is still inside your pack where all the meat in game bags is basically pinched between your pack and your frame system in the below shelf. Yeah. No, that's really Does cool. Does that make sense? It's, it's <laughs> kind of hard to explain, I guess, but yeah, no, I'm 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 definitely following along, and I I can visualize that because I had you, you know, basically do that right in front of me at the at the show, and and go through, you know, with me in person and and fit the pack, and you know, it was it was just really cool to see. But no, I I think you know anybody can jump on the website and and see. I'm sure you have videos on there, but um, no, that was that was a great explanation. Essentially, it's just allowing you to keep your bag attached, have all your gear in there. Um, so if you are bivy hunting or you know have a bunch of gear with you you're still going to be able to throw a quarter in there and um it's going to be tight uh you know the shelf on the bottom is going to keep it up and um you know on the frame itself closer to your body which is going to you know carry better and and ride better um you have the adjustability of the straps so um yeah all good stuff i think it was a great explanation chris good work man <laughs> yeah man i think that's every you know that's the every Western style hunter's dream, you know, like not dream, but you get in there and you knock an animal down and like, you know, do you pick between leaving your gear or, you know, do you hike back and get your pack frame you left in the truck? Well, it really makes that like when you're in there four or five, six miles, it makes it pretty challenging. Like it, it's so important to be able to get out gear and meat at the same time. Yeah, it really is. And I, if I would have killed, killed one this year um i i would have been in that same boat i you know my plan was to maybe get out a couple back straps on the first load get everything else in bags hung up and then um you know pretty much leave all my gear there and walk out and get a different you know frame pack that really is just what it is it's basically a frame and then go back in whereas this allows you to have your gear with you and 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 carry a lot more than what i'm currently using for sure 
Yeah, and and we rate the guide light frame up to you know carry wise uh, approximately 150 pounds uh, more than you'd want to carry before you're probably going to end up hurting yourself. Um, the nice frame that was designed for the military we rated up to 200 pounds um, and even beyond that in some instances. Uh, so yeah, I mean I, I just think it's so important if you're in the backcountry baby style hunting to be able to get out a large portion of meat as quickly as possible to get things cooled down, get it to a cooler. Um, I just think it's so important, you know, and Mr. Inch solved it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I'm looking on the website here and, and I went through some of the packs, um, at the booth when, when we visited there at ATA last winter, but I'm looking at, you know, the hunting and, and I'm just going after big game here. You have the cabinet, the Metcalf and the Marshall. And it seems as though the cabinet is kind of more of your day hunt, maybe some scouting, um, some light backpacking. Um, the Metcalf is a little bit bigger than that. And then you have the Marshall, which is the largest. Can you kind of explain those three? Um, I know you said the frames are all universal, but kind of Describe the intended use and kind of what you have in the big game uh, lineup for Mystery Ranch. Sure. And the, the one key pack you're missing there, Adam, and it might be on the row down from what you're looking is, is the Pintler. Got it. Got um, it. So ultimately, there's four packs, big game packs, that um, that we have on the guide light system. And it kind of starts with the cabinet. Okay. The cabinet we're, we're calling it our ultimate day hunting pack. Um, it's got a ton of organ internal organization. Um, it's got these, uh, fold out pockets that basically tuck in behind the main compartment that also can expand, um, and sit on the outside or the sides of the pack. Um, those are awesome for quick access to, you know, rain gear, spotting scopes, uh, snacks, whatever you know it's 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 there's a lot of organization in the cabinet the cool thing about it with the overload system is that you can do multi-day they are multi-night hunts with that pack um but you would be carrying in let's say if you wanted to take camp in in addition to your day hunting gear you would throw a big dry bag in the overload system and you could go in so the cabinet we call our ultimate day hunting pack, but it's universal enough you can do multiple days out of it, and a lot of people do that. Um, from there, it goes up to the Pintler, which uh, we call our, you know, it's the ideal pack for overnights or, or even two days if you're really into lightweight backpacking or uh, baby hunt style hunting. Um, it's a three-zip design, which is fantastic. If you're not familiar, If you're not familiar with it, you'll see it on the website, but it's, um, it's a staple um, Dana Designs style pack. Um, where basically, it doesn't have a lid, um, but there's a zipper that goes right down the center back of the pack, and then the lid kind of pulls open, or the top of the pack kind of pulls open. If the if the pack is laying flat on the ground, you can basically open this thing completely up. Um, it slays wide open. That pack is nice because it's got a little bit more internal, or it's got a little bit of internal organization. It's got a couple of mesh pockets. Um, it's got a couple of sleeve pockets, hydration compatible. Um, great, awesome day hunting pack. And like I said before, if you're really into lightweight backpacking, you can do a couple nights out of it as well. 
Um, the Pentler is really my go-to pack when it comes to day hunting, even in Montana. Um, from the Pentler, you go into the Metcalf, which is um, a 4,200-liter pack. So it's, uh, I can't remember, I'm trying to remember what the Pentler is. The, the Metcalf is almost twice as big as um, Pentler. So the Pentler is a, uh, it's not quite. The Pentler is a 2,500-liter pack or cubic-inch pack. Uh, 41 liters. The Metcalf is a 4,200 cubic inch pack, and the Metcalf is the is our number one selling backpack that we offer. Um, and I would say it's it's the ideal pack for doing three to five nights off your back. It's basically um, a big giant stuff sack. Um, it does have a hydration sleeve, so it does have. Um, the ability to, you know, carry your bladder on the inside. It's got, it's a top entry, so a top loading pack, and it has a side zipper, so you can access it from the side or to the top. It comes with a lid, um, which is removable, which is awesome um, for carrying around, you know, around camp or whatever. You can use your, your lid for anything. Uh, it's got external compression straps on the back of the pack as well as the side. So it's great for carrying your bow on the back. Um, it's great for securing rifles or spotting scopes, tripods on each side of it. Um, and like I said, it being that, that being our number one selling pack, if I'm doing more than one night, I'm in the Metcalf every single time I go out. The, uh, the nice thing about it too is some people will be like, well, I, I'm never going to do, you know, five nights or four nights, I'm typically that two to three night range maximum. It's like you can still hunt out of the Metcalf. So there's tons of compression on it and any extra fabric or parts of the bag that aren't being used, you're able to cinch that down and get it tight to the frame so it still carries well. I've even went as far as doing day hunts out of the Metcalf before and had no issues with it. Um, I would say the Metcalf is our number one, my favorite pack. Uh, from there, you go up to the Marshall, which we say, you know, is our big expedition pack uh, designed for doing six to ten days. Um, we have a lot of uh, sheep hunters in, you know, British Columbia up through Alaska that live out of this pack all season long. Um, the Marshall is pretty unique in the sense that it's still got the big uh, stuff sack um, for... Um, just like your, you know, the majority of your gear. Um, it does have the lid, like the Metcalf, but it has uh, the two torpedo pockets on the outside of the pack, which um, if you're looking at the website, you'll see it's basically two long pockets that sit on the back of the pack um, that are awesome for quick access to, I mean, you can put jet boils in there, food, stove, rain gear, anything that you need quick access to if you're on like a mission to get in there 10 miles and you're going to be in a even further, and you're going to be in there for multiple, multiple days. Um, it's also got the speed zip uh, design um, on the bottom of the pack, which is basically like a separate compartment on the bottom of the pack designed to carry your sleep system. So it's a buckle that opens up and a zipper that you can stuff your sleeping bag into. And there's another internal compression um, strap in there that you cinch down your sleep system um, zip that pocket back up, buckle it. That all sits at the very, very bottom of your pack, and then you still have your large compartment for the rest of your gear 
as well as your torpedo pockets on the outside for your quick access stuff. So the Marshall is a sweet pack too. It's just, um, you know, it's, it's more packs than you need if you're, if you're doing those one to three, four day hunts, it's, it's probably going to be more packed than you need. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, I can see that and I can see why the Metcalf is, is so popular. Kind of like what you said, you can use it for, you've used it for day hunts or those, you know, one night overnight backcountry hunts, but it's also very versatile in the sense that you could use it for, you know, extended three, four days. And that's where I kind of find myself. And I think that's the pack that I, that I tried on at the show and, and really did like it. I, I thought it was a sweet pack. Um, and then you mentioned, you mentioned the, the Pintler, what, so Pintler would be more kind of like your day pack, um, type and the Metcalf is more extended, um, beyond that. But what's the, what's the weight difference between those two? Is there a lot of weight difference or are they, is it pretty, uh, nominal in the scheme of things? Um, it's pretty nominal. I think the Metcalf, let me just take a look here. I believe the Metcalf is 6.1 pounds. Um, let's see here. Uh, the Metcalf comes in at 6.1 pounds and the Pintler on the specs here is uh, 5.4 pounds. So less than a pound difference between the two. Um, really not a ton of, of difference in weight and Again, you know, it just kind of goes back to the mystery and story where weight is never, weight has never been our number one focus as much as like comfort, durability, functionality, load carriage is where we pride ourselves. So. Yeah, yeah, certainly, and I see that. Um, so, as you you mentioned in the packs, I know I think the Metcalf and the Marshall, and maybe with the Pintler as well, but you mentioned like internal organization and. Um, can you tell me, tell me a little bit about that? Is there different kind of compartments within the main baggage system, uh, bag system outside of, you know, kind of all your external, um, you know, side pockets and everything like that. Describe that kind of organization that you touched on a little bit earlier. Sure. Um, what, what packs were you interested in as far as internal, um, organization? The, the, I was, I was just referring to the Metcalf. Gotcha. So the Metcalf is, is, doesn't have any internal organization at all other than a hydration sleeve. Okay. Um, it's basically just a big stuff sack. It does have, you know, it's got a small uh, zippered pocket on the bottom left side of the bag. Um, and it's got the, uh, the water bottle stretch pocket on the right side of the bag. Uh, but the inside compartment is basically big stuff sack, which some people struggle with a little bit, but, um, I've, I, I still find it, you know, I, I prefer it that way. It allows you to organize your pack however you want it. And I use just individual, um, you know, carry bags internally. So, um, I've got like my food goes in my red bag, my extra layers goes in my green bag. Um, you know, first aid or kill kits in my blue bag or however you want to organize it yourself. Um, it's a little bit different. Some people, some people don't love it. Um, others do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. And, um, the one thing that you mentioned about the hydration, uh, kind of compartment, that is really nice. Cause that's one thing I wish I had on my existing pack. Cause I have kind of just your, 
you know, it's, it's a big open pack. There's not really a lot of compartments. Um, but I wish there was something separate for the hydration bladder because it's kind of always in the way when you grab something out, it kind of like falls to the bottom and, and then your, you know, your, um, your mouthpiece is too far away and it, it's just, so knowing that it has that is a, is a huge thing for me. Cause I've been like, man, that'd be nice if I could put that somewhere else instead of just floating around my pack. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you, you touched a little bit on organization, how, uh, while we're kind of on this subject, how do you, how do you go about like packing for, let's say, uh, you know, a three or four day hunt, uh, obviously you're going to have your tent and uh sleeping bag and, and you know, your, your knives and, and food. What's your kind of go-to system for packing, um, a backpack and what's the proper way to load, uh, an extended hunt pack such as the Metcalf? Sure. Like, do you want me to run through like, I mean, top to bottom the gear that I carry or. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Or just, you know, kind of more like high level of like, how do you, uh, like, do you want more weight towards the bottom? Do you want more weight up top? Um, do you want certain items in certain areas to get to quicker? Like just kind of what, what do you go through and what goes through your mind to kind of, you know, pack for, for certain extended hunts like that? Sure. So it's always best to keep, you don't want, you don't want all of your weight in the bottom of your pack. It's naturally going to just pull heavy on your shoulders. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always start with my sleep system in the bottom, no matter what pack I'm carrying I'll, I'll carry my, um, I usually stuff in the bottom. Just, um, I usually start with my sleeping bag is the first thing that goes into my neck half. And I kind of just build it up from there. Um, and your sleeping bag typically is fairly light and it builds a nice buffer, um, to keep the, 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 you know, your food and your water is probably going to be your heaviest stuff that you have, that you're carrying. So it's, it's nice to put that sleeping bag in the bottom and that'll help kind of center the weight on your back a little bit more. Um, so I typically go, uh, sleep system in the bottom with, you know, sleeping pad, sleeping bag. Um, some extra layers, and then that kind of fills up the bottom third of my pack. The center portion of my pack, I have a lot of my heavier stuff, so I've got typically all my food. Um, I'm going to carry, you know, any of my water is going to be in that middle layer. Uh, Stuff that I don't need quick access to, but it's just like the bulk of my weight. Like I've got my first aid kit in there. Um my random accessories of like batteries and, uh, you know, Allen wrench for my bow, um, extra knocks, you name it, just kind of the heavier stuff that you don't have to have quick, quick access to. And then the top layer of my bag before, basically before my lid, um, that you can access to the top of the top loading system, or you can, if you unzip like the top six inches of the side zipper, you can get into it as well that's where I'll keep, you know, like an extra Merino top. Um, I'll have my gloves, my headlamp, uh, granola bars, quick, quick access to snacks, et cetera. Um, and then in the lid, I typically find myself having, I always have my rain gear in my lid for some reason on the height, just because storms can roll in so quick. And like the last thing you want to do when you're on an extended hunt is get yourself soaking wet right off the get go. And then the temperature drops at night and next thing you know, you're freezing cold. So 
I always keep my rain gear, my lid, and just the kind of the tubular design of those. I also keep my cook system. So I do like my stove and my extra fuel and stuff typically goes in my lid. Got it. Got it. And then I'll do the, uh, yeah, I'll do my, my bow. Um, I'll carry on the back compression um, facing away from my pack, not the side compression, but the back compression of the Metcalf is where I strap my bow. Nice. Nice. And, and, and do you find yourself for day hunts removing the top lid? Yep. So I'll get in, you know, hiking three, four or five miles, depending on where I'm, where I'm going to set up camp and I'll get everything set up. I'll get my food hung in a tree one thing we have to worry about in Montana is grizzly bears. Um, and get all my layers, you know, organized in my backpack how I want it. And then at that point, I'm just hunting out of the main compartment of my bag. My my lid and everything is staying at camp. I just try to minimal, uh, minimize my weight and my gear once I'm in there hunting. Got it. Yeah, it makes it makes total sense. I found myself doing the same thing. Like if I'm if I'm going in on an overnight hunt, you know, I have the lid on there because it's extra storage. But if I'm day hunting, I don't necessarily need it because you know I'm I don't have the sleeping pad and the in the sleeping bag and my tent and all that stuff wrapped in there. So I've got a lot more room. I kind of want it cinched down a little bit tighter and a little bit more uh, lower profile in the scheme of things. So it sounds like you do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you know how it is. Like, you, you want to be fast and light and quick and not bulky, you know, when you're chasing out. Sometimes you're sprinting through the mountains, and it's like, um, got to be fast, got to be light, got to be compact. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. Certainly is. Um, well, Chris, we could we could talk about this stuff all day long, and, and we can definitely dive into to different uh, aspects of the packs and and the features and everything, I think you've done a wonderful job, and and you know you've really kind of covered a you know a variety of things about the packs. But before we get off here, um, what uh, what are you looking at for a warranty through Mystery Ranch? Can you kind of explain that and and how that works and, and what you guys offer at Mystery Ranch? Sure. So all of our packs. Um, Mr. Ranch packs, doesn't matter where you buy them, who you buy them from, we have the same warranty for everything. Uh, basically, it has a Mr. Ranch label on it. It's going to qualify under this warranty. Um, and it's uh, against materials and manufacturing defect uh, lifetime. So, meaning, uh, if anything happens to the bag that was our fault, we'll, we'll replace it or fix it. Um, for free. If anything, if, if there's anything that you do to the bag, if we can fix it, we'll do it for a minimal fee. So, uh, if you, you know, rip your bag on a barbed wire fence or you, uh, slam your, a buckle on the door and it breaks, or you run your bag over with your truck and you break your frame, uh, we're, we're going to do what we can to fix it. But if a seam ever blows out or a piece of webbing blows out or a buckle randomly breaks, um, or, you know, anything on your whole entire backpack that is a manufacturing issue happens, we'll replace it for free. Yeah, no, that's, that means a lot today. I mean, there's, there's companies out there that, that don't go through that same uh, process to take care of the customer. It sounds like you guys do. And from what you mentioned before, I mean, you really build your whole design around quality. Um, so, I mean, 
starting with a product that's that's built to have carry those heavy loads like you said 150 you know plus pounds it's it's uh something that i'm sure you guys stand behind and it it really sounds like a a very good warranty policy that and and again that means a lot to people yeah absolutely man and if if you're if anybody's ever in bozeman and wants to swing by the facility we do do like factory tours and you can walk right in you can see the production floor um all of our hunting stuff, we're not, we're not manufacturing in the U.S. anymore, but we're still building products in the U.S. Um, you can walk right into the warranty repair department. Uh, there's typically two guys in there working as techs that are on sewing machines that are doing pack repairs and, you know, buckle repairs and frame repairs and you name it. Um, it's pretty cool. It's definitely like a, a very, you know, hometown, mom-and-pop kind of feel when you walk into Mystery Ranch. It's, it's not a corporate culture by any means. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I've got to get up to Bozeman. I've, I've heard so many good things. I've, you know, you're up there. I got to come up and, and visit. We can do some fly fishing. I can check out Mystery Ranch and uh, just explore all the good things that I've heard about from, from Bozeman. I got to, I have to make that happen this, this summer after I get some time. Yeah, Adam, you're welcome. You're absolutely welcome anytime, man. And I'm sure that, um, uh... I'll probably see you at ATA this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll I'll be there. Um, so we'll catch you here in a in a few months, and we'll look forward to uh, to seeing there seeing you there. Um, anything new coming out for for uh, the you know what's on the horizon for maybe the ATA show that you can release, or is that still kind of behind closed doors? Oh man, there's so many awesome things happening. I wish I could talk about it, but. Um, yeah, Mr. Ranch is, is taking some stuff to, to a whole new level for 2018. Um, uh, yeah, there's a couple sneak peek things I can't release, like the big secret. You'll see it at ATA, but, um, uh, we're launching Subalpine. Nice. In, uh, the, the sick of pattern in all of our, uh, in all of our packs, that's out now. Um, that's all over social media, but, um, yeah, there's some new, uh, frame design stuff we've been playing around with. It's going to be really, uh, really interesting and really going to cater to, um, the day hunter that doesn't want to carry a big pack, but still wants to get an out quarter out, which is interesting. Uh, found a solution for that. And we're also starting to dabble in a little bit, um, back to, you know, more of our roots of, uh, uh, whitetail hunting and tree stand sitting and pack design around that. So, um, I can't release all the details, but there's some awesome stuff, man. It's coming out soon. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll look forward to seeing you at the booth and, and checking all that stuff out before we drop off here. Where can people go to check out, uh, check out, you know, more about you guys. Um, right now, our, our best resource is probably going to be our website. Um, our website's up to speed. It's got, you know, all of our products that we sell. Um, you can see under our hunting page. And then we do have a link in on the website um, under the ranch at the top. It's a tab if you hover over it and click on retailers. It's a link to all of our retailers in North America. So um, you can you can typically find, you know, somebody close to you. Uh, there's, you know, for hunting pack specific shields is one of our large retailers in the U S right now. And they've got 24 locations, I think, carrying our packs. Um, but yeah, you'll see the whole list on our website of places that you can access our stuff. 
Nice, nice. Well, if you're listening, go check out mysteryranch.com and and see what they got on there. They got some cool videos. Um, follow them on social media. A um, lot of lot of innovative things that are coming down the pipe. So um, again, Chris, I appreciate you being on, man. It was great to catch up with you, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you here uh, in very short time at the ATA. Sounds good, Adam. It was uh, great catching up with you too, man. We'll uh, hopefully talk to you soon. And there we go. Another podcast in the books. Big shout out to Chris Nolan for coming on the show. It's always fun when you have a friend that you haven't talked with in a while to be able to chat with him and and catch up and just talk like old buddies. So that was a lot of fun. So thanks again to Chris at Mystery Ranch. Make sure you go check out mysteryranch.com. Plenty of options there, whether you're um, Western hunting for a couple days overnight for elk or, you know, your, your hardcore sheep hunt and everywhere in between down to even whitetails. They have some really cool packs. We didn't really touch on that too much during the show, but they've got packs for, for whitetail hunters as well. Um, so make sure you go check that out. If you haven't yet subscribed to the Sportsman's Nation podcast, make sure you do that. Go check out the site, sportsmansnation.com. Lots of good content there. You keep you up to speed. You can also subscribe by visiting the site as well. And also go check out transitionwild.com. Lots of good content coming out there. Uh, Subscribe. You'll get the Colorado Beginner Elk Hunting Guide. So if you're looking at planning a hunt possibly for this next year, go over, subscribe, and I'll send that to you for free as we wrap up the show i you know one thing you know that i take away from this is really with chris i mean he has been a really good friend and i've i've followed him for a while but we've uh, on social media but we've kind of lost contact over the years and um you know i'm glad this podcast came to be because it allowed me to to really catch up with him and and touch base and if you're in the same boat where you haven't connected with somebody in a long time and, and you kind of lost contact, but you're maybe friends on social media and you're seeing what they're doing and maybe they went on a cool hunt, reach out to them and, and, and just talk. You'll, uh, it'll be fun. You'll, you'll relive some old memories and who knows, maybe you'll plan a hunt together in the near future and, and, and get things going again. So, uh, again, thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day and catch you later.